Hey, everybody. We're releasing these next two episodes a little out of order. Nick and I had Jeremy on the other night, and we recorded two podcasts, one on Baby Driver and another one on Jack Ryan. Well, unfortunately, through our conversation of Jack Ryan, things took, well, they took a little bit of a turn, and we got into some additional more topical content, uh, namely the Venom movie and the Chicago Cubs. So we're releasing these two next episodes out of order, well, at least out of the order we recorded them in, just so you get the more topical content now and the content that could wait a week next week. So without further ado, the Pillow Talk Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Pillow Talk Podcast, brought to you by Local River Production. Now here are your hosts, Nick and Bill. It makes me feel I actually thought about being Jack Sparrow for Halloween so that I could just get around uh, carrying rum around with me and drinking it all day. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I will be doing my first ever movie character uh, Halloween costume, even though I don't quite have the size for it because it's the, uh, hence the beard here, because it's the 20th anniversary of the Big Lebowski, I am mm-hmm. gradually uh, assembling everything I need for the Walter Soapjack costume. Oh, nice. man. That's awesome. I, I'm gonna I, be, it, uh, it will include an empty can of Folgers that I will be carrying around with me the entire time. Oh, <laughs> find some ashes or something to put in it too, like burn so, something or. So here's here's the part that I can't tell everybody get my it's Spider Man. I can't get my wife to buy into is that I want to dress my one year old in an all purple jumpsuit with a black do rag and paint a goatee on him. Yeah, that why not? Great. Yeah, she's not having it. <laughs> That's too bad. I know. Like, I, I still think it would be brilliant, but... Walk around telling everybody not to keeps, fuck with the She Jesus. keeps asking me, she's like, why aren't you being, you know, Jeff Bridges' character? I'm like, well, I can't... I don't want to wear a wig, and I can't grow my hair out that long that fast. So I will... <laughs> if the only reason... If the only thing that's keeping me from Walter Sobchak is the fact that I'm not as big as John Goodman, I'll take mm-hmm. it, so... Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know... You gotta grow like what it. you got. Yep. And this is the Pillow Talk Podcast, everyone. Yes, welcome. This is what we oh, discuss yes. before we get into the hard-hitting issues of the day. News right. of the day. Uh, as we alluded in the last episode, we have Jeremy with us again. Jeremy, thank you for taking time out of your incredibly busy schedule to join us. Yes, it is incredibly busy. Oh, wait, no, it's not. So, <laughs> so I'm very, very glad to be here, gentlemen. You, you continue to have me back here for these episodes, and I guess it's your funeral, but... So far, we we continue to enjoy it. So okay, well, you You'll guys know. are going to carry this episode because oh, I didn't watch be any Jack Ryan. Oh, that's okay. Uh, when the time comes that we're no longer enjoying it, you'll just you just won't hear from us anymore, and you, you'll see. Get away from here, fly. You'll continue. The fly is trying to drink my rum. Uh, yes. You'll continue to hear pillow talk episodes, and you'll <laughs> we'll be ghosting you. <laughs> I kid. I kid. Um. Okay, so Nick, you alluded to it. This is our uh, our Jack Ryan episode. Yeah. Now, okay, so I assumed that you had not yet watched 
the Amazon Prime series Jack Ryan. Like I knew Jeremy and I both would like the weekend it came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you've probably seen some of the movies before. Yeah, I've seen. Yeah, I mean, I've yeah, seen yeah, some yeah. of the movies. Um, so you're gonna be fine. Uh, and actually, I was really, I was really excited about the Jack Ryan series, um, but I just didn't have time to watch it. I actually, I take that back. I had time to watch it. I consciously made an effort not to watch it, and I don't, I, I don't regret it. <laughs> I watched, uh, I watched Stan versus Evil instead, and reruns wow. of MST3K. Yep. Yep, and Unsolved Mysteries, and tried to get caught up on Castle Rock. I've got a lot of things going on. Oh, I know. There's, there's, as I think we can all agree, there's, there's far too much good TV out, and nowhere near enough time to watch it all. Yes. Um. So, I don't know. Where do you guys want to start? Do you guys want to start with like Hunt for an October the movie, or what are you thinking? I don't know if if we are just uh, if we're making this whole conversation not the Jack Ryan series but just Jack Ryan the amalgamation of the character then yeah I, I think that makes sense and and one of the biggest things for me as a a devotee of the books I mean I started reading the books when I was probably about eleven I think oh, that's so when I read see. the Hunt for Red October okay wait a second wait a second hold on hold on let me just break the breaks on right there you read the you read the Hunt for October and you were eleven. Thereabouts, yeah. So I, 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 mean, I, I mean, I've, I've, got, I've gotten through. I've read all, I've read all of Tom Clancy's, Tom Clancy's books, books, but read them all, read them all like kind of like in college and beyond. We take, we take Hunt for 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 a lot of things to do growing up on a dairy farm, so I had plenty of free time on my head. <laughs> and time I had. <laughs> okay, so okay, so uh, uh, Hunt for October, you're in the book, you're in the book, you're Yeah, maybe so. It's, you know, I, I'm trying to figure out where to start here. So, from I, I guess, thinking about it from the context of the current Amazon Prime series, and I'll go back to the film version of The Hunt for October, I had kind of mixed reaction when I found out about John Krasinski's casting. So there was one so, part. Why don't you do this um, so that I'm not the one who I always feel that when I'm talking. Jeremy, would you mind just giving everybody the, like, including Nick, who hasn't watched it yet, the 30,000 foot overview of what the Jack Ryan Amazon series is? Okay. So for anybody who is familiar with any of the Jack Ryan movies, that's The Hunt for Red October, Patriot Games, Clear and Present Danger. Um, I'll say The Sum of All Fears <laughs> with kind of a icky fa- look on my face because that's actually one of my favorites of the books. And it was just brutalized in the film version. And then there's that kind of standalone story that they did with Chris Pine a little while ago. Yeah. But at least in most of those, especially the Hunt for Red October, kind of setting the stage, and, and a lot of the books, too, you have Jack Ryan, who is th- this quintessential cold warrior, right? And not all the books are, or not all the movies, I should say, are, you know, America versus the Soviet Union or anything like nope. that. But you get a lot of that context, and he he really is this, this cold warrior type of guy. And I think what they attempted to do with the series was they wanted to be able to reboot that character, but you can't really go back to the same type of storylines you have with the Soviets because 
people, you know, people who are coming of age nowadays don't have any context for that. So you put it in the context of Middle Eastern terrorism and, you know, current events and things like that. So the reboot focuses a great deal on that, but it still captures a lot of the backstory of the character and the way that he kind of evolves as this, um, you know, kind of an academic who gets involved in the CIA as at an analyst level and finds his patrons as he goes throughout and and eventually comes into being a field agent on his own and, and essentially an action hero, you know, for mm-hmm. lack of a better term, where this is a guy, the way that the character is written in the books and the way that it's portrayed, especially in The Hunt for Red October, the film version, it's a guy who's a desk jockey, right? Like he's, yep. he becomes mm-hmm. kind of like the unwilling action hero, right? And when they went in to remake the series or remake the character with the current series, I kind of feel like I would put John Krasinski along with Alec Baldwin as my favorite Jack Ryan's for the simple reason that they're the ones who fit that description of the character best. Oh, it's you get Jim Harrison, from The Office. Well, yeah, well, when you, when you get a Harrison Ford or a Ben Affleck or a Chris Pine, these are guys who have kind of made their chops as action heroes, mm-hmm. and you know their their very presence implies an action hero. Whereas an Alec Baldwin early in his career or a John Krasinski, these are the guys who fit the character of somebody who starts out his CIA life as a desk jockey. Yep. And he ends up going into the field and toting guns and fighting bad guys, not because that's who he is right out of the gate, but because that's what he kind of is forced to evolve into. So I was a little bit back and forth about his casting, but I think it was about halfway through the pilot episode and I was all in. I I was a a big fan. I think they did a great job. I think he did a fantastic job portraying that character the way that it's written. And that's a tough gig because he had to largely extrapolate all that character development out of books that don't have anything to do with the plot of the series, but be able to take the character out of those stories and put it in the context of a new story. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to dumb it down because I, I, I agree. I thought I thought the Amazon series was was really well done. Um, but you essentially you took Jim from the office and gave him a marine backstory. Mm-hmm. But it's believable. Yeah. And that that's that's the thing about it is even when you have those flashback scenes throughout the series him as a, a low grade, you know, like a second lieutenant or first lieutenant or whatever it was, it's he's believable in that role. Yeah. Yeah. You know, not not somebody walking around wearing stars on his shoulders or anything like that. Like, uh, you know, frontline soldier who joins the Marines right out of college, get ends up getting hurt, and that is really a, an integral part of Ryan's backstory in the books is that he Starts out serving his country. He gets involved. I think it's um, in the books. It's a uh, he's involved in a helicopter accident yep. in the, helicopter the Mediterranean, crash. and they actually kept that same helicopter accident thing in the Chris Pine movie. They did something, you know. I, I think they tweaked it a little bit in the series, but still, he was still in a helicopter accident. I mean, oh, that's right. He, okay, that's right. He was. I'm he, it up. he was still in that helicopter because there was that kid that was on the helicopter. The kid, it was him. the kid. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and now I never saw the Chris Pine movie, uh, just because it looked awful. So uh, I'm gonna have to take your word on that one. But it yeah, was they... the Chris Pine movie was okay. Um, they made some changes to the overall plot line that I and it, you know, full disclosure, a huge part of the reason why I saw it is because Kenneth Branagh was the bad guy, and Kenneth Branagh also directed the movie, and I'm a huge fan of Kenneth Branagh, so it was definitely worth worth my time to do that. But they. 
you know, it was a completely original story. That that movie doesn't draw on anything that has to do with the books, with the exception of some elements of the character's backstory. See, and I think that's and, part of the reason why I was turned off to it was, I mean, I'm a huge fan. Even still, I still read the books. Um, I think that was part of the reason why I was like, yeah, you know what? Forget it. Yeah, it was it was okay. It wasn't uh, wasn't the greatest. I mean, I don't put it. Hunt Red October is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, and it's actually one of the few movies. That, there are not. I'm trying to think. I would say there are not many, but maybe there aren't any other movies where I would actually put the film adaptation at least on par, if not slightly better than the book. And that doesn't denigrate the book at all. No, but I think they did such a great job making that movie. It, it's maybe the only, only one I can put in there where I would put the two of them at the same level. One ping only. That movie don't, was... Don't, don't do that or I'm going to start doing the whole rest of this podcast in Sean Connery's voice and no one wants to hear that. <laughs> I, no, I, dare I, I say there are dozens of people who want to yeah. hear that. There's dozens of them. Yeah, the... Um, I thought the Hunt, the Hunt for October... I mean... Just the way that that movie, the way that the Hunt for October went. I mean, even from the fact when you've got you've got Sam Neill and Sean Connery talking in Russian, and then it switches into English. I mean, just the way they did some of that stuff was just so slick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they were able to capture like you understand at the beginning. They they developed the characters in their kind of native environment, mm-hmm. but then they have to switch it over so that you're not doing the whole thing in subtitles and that, you know, guys like Sean Connery and Sam Neill don't have to learn Russian. Cause that would be to, super annoying. Right. To act in the movie. But it's, it, it is an interesting evolution. And I, I did think that when I got to, I don't know, it was about episode six or seven or whatever it was of the mm-hmm. series that they actually did, despite rebooting the entire thing, they did bring in an element of the books because you do have the weaponized Ebola scare that comes out of executive orders. Yep. Which executive orders are probably, that was, to me, that was Tom Clancy's piece de resistance in terms of the books. That was everything, everything after that, from the time that he wrote that book until he died not too long ago, was downhill. Okay. It was almost like he that was his attempt to tackle the whole shift from Cold War to Middle Eastern terrorism and he did it pretty well. Mm-hmm. But beyond that it was almost like we beat the Russians and now I don't really know what else to write I'm about. I'm not sure and, what I'm what I'm about anymore. Yeah. And the quality of the writing just just declined and I think the last one that I read was the Teeth of the Tiger, and after that, I just couldn't bring my. I thought that one was so bad, I just couldn't bring myself to read any of the other ones. And now, his his name has largely become a brand. I mean, yep. even though he's passed away, but even when he was still alive, you've got other authors writing under his name. So because you haven't his name read. Is the moneymaker. You haven't read any of the new ones, then. No. Okay, so I can tell you. So there's two authors, and I haven't read the newest one because I refuse to pay fifteen dollars for a book on my Kindle. Uh, and it's not available in our library on my Kindle. But um, Grant Blackwood has written a bunch of them because uh, the books have now kind of gotten to the point where they're largely following Jack Jr., who. Right. Um, so uh, John Clark and uh, Ding Chavez, they've got like this this unit that they've started to kind of work in the dark. Um, and 
Jack Jr. has gone to work for them. And so that's what these books are kind of following now. And they bring in Jack Sr. every now and then. Um, but Mark Greeny has written a bunch of them, like three or four. And I have to admit, some the and he's not writing them anymore because now somebody else is doing it. But of the three or four that he wrote, like the second one, the third one, the fourth one, the you know, quote-unquote Tom Clancy books that he wrote were almost every bit as good as some of the Tom Clancy books in his prime. They were really, mm. really well done. I don't know. I, I would have to... I'd have to really take a chance to do that because I thought after Executive Orders, you had Red Rabbit, you had The Teeth of the Tiger, and those were just... To me, oh, those bad. were just flailing attempts to keep that that Sorry, kind no. of string of bestsellers no. going and failing miserably at it. Yep. And I think that's why they stopped the movies. I mean... You had Ben Affleck do The Sum of All Fears, oh. and the next two books in that in the series, which were kind of the, the build-up to, to the high point of his writing, were Dead of Honor and Executive Orders. And the reason why Dead of Honor became completely PNG, you know, persona non grata within the film industry was, you know, this is right before 9-11 and, you know, spoiler alert, Dead of Honor ends with somebody crashing in 747 into a joint session of Congress. Yeah, which actually and, they then turned into the TV show designated yeah, Survivor. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, that was far enough removed, but at the time they were making those movies, that would have been next up, and I think that people just didn't want to touch that. But, you know, the, the best stuff is... All of the Cold War stuff. It's, you know, The Hunt for Red October, Cardinal of the Kremlin. And I think they did a good job when Amazon made the series. They had to make that jump to the modern era. And they did a, they did as as well a job as that you could expect them to do when they translated that character into the modern age. Yeah, um, I, I agree with you completely. Um, although I will, I will also argue that I was not more than a little less than... I was disappointed that they didn't choose to make a 1984 version of it where they could use the Soviet Union as the bad guy. Yeah, nobody seems to want to do that anymore, and I don't know why. I don't know why it's become... Because now you can do it from a historical perspective. Yeah. But I, I don't know why anybody why everybody shies away from that. And I, I think it's probably because so much of your viewing public, I mean, you get a lot of the millennial generation coming up, and they don't have any context of what you know, the Soviet Union and the mm-hmm. evil empire are, so there's not as much of a connection to it, but there's the still a lot of great stories empire. that you can tell, so. I thought it would have been really neat to, you know, just set it in the Cold War, you know, but, and I, I get why they, I mean, I, I get updating it, too. I, I mean, I understand that, especially since season two was greenlit before season one even premiered. That's good. I was the only thing that disappointed me about season one. I was like, wait a minute, it's it's only eight episodes. Only eight that's, episodes. That's, yeah. that's not fair. I'm like, I'm gonna knock that out in one night. Now what do I do on Tuesday? Like, <laughs> this isn't cool. No, you're right. But, I mean, it was it was really really good. The the other thing that I will say about the way that they put that series together, and I think that it's a testament to the people who wrote it, is that I don't know that I've ever seen. You know, and granted, it's eight hours worth. It's not like watching a two-hour movie. It's eight hours worth of content. But they did such a good job in terms of looking at, you know, the the Islamic terrorists who are, as far as the show goes, the enemy. But hmm. it's almost a sympathetic portrayal. 
because you get a lot of the backstory and you understand that this isn't evil for evil's sake. This is a reaction to something that happened, and there's actually some accountability on the part of the United States. I mean, this guy gets set down his path by the U.S. aerial bombing of Lebanon in the early 80s, right, mm -hmm. where his his parents were killed and his sister or his brother was, you know, severely injured. Injured, sure. Right. You really start to understand from that perspective, this this doesn't just happen out of nowhere. And there is there's an, a level of accountability on both sides that you have to understand from a story perspective. And I thought it was interesting because you don't typically see a lot of movies on this topic or shows on this topic delve into that in quite that level. No, you're right. Um, you know, the, the that was the first scene in the show, Nick, in case oh. in case you haven't seen it, uh, which you haven't. Which I haven't. <laughs> but you know, you've got these two these two young boys essentially playing while the big bad American fighter jets come through and, and essentially bomb the whole town. Mm -hmm. um, and then you find out by the end of that pilot episode, spoiler alert, sorry, that this is going to be your, you know, these one of these boys is going to be your bad guy for the season. Um, and then you're like, oh, crap, we kind of like, we kind of made him do that. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you can look at it and go, oh, geez, so this is how we make terrorists. Okay. okay. Kind of gives you this internal struggle, yeah. Yeah, you know, well, like, and that's exactly it. right. Is you don't have you have that internal struggle. I think that's a great way to put it. You don't just have a cookie cutter, you know, representation of evil bad guy. You get mm -hmm. into the level of motivation and the emotional aspect of it on both sides, and it doesn't make you empathize with the bad guy in this particular case because what they're doing is still horrible. Sure, but you have at least some level of understanding that this just didn't come out of nowhere. Yeah, that he just wasn't like a bad guy. No, and even then, you know, there are those scenes of him in France in his, what I can only assume are like, you know, his, his mid-20s where, you know, he's still trying to do the right thing. Yep. And he just, the world is working against him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, there you, was, um, there were several scenes in that first season where it does not particularly portray France culturally in a great light in terms of uh, being, you know, open and receptive to diversity, which I thought was kind of strange. Well, I, I as, don't know. As someone uh, who's, France, as someone I, who's I don't know quarter, all that much about it, but as someone who's a quarter France, I feel like I can be the one in the group to say, screw the rifle droppers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Nobody can get mad at us. Cause I'm one of them. Yeah. It's, it's like, like when they, I make about the wall. Mexican people. Bill, right. Bill, Bill, if you're gonna do if you're gonna do the French jokes like that, make sure you send that stuff to JP so he can get it too. Oh love yeah, 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 he'll really enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, we'll clip that just little piece of that out of there for him, and you just play him uh, 21 minutes into the podcast. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> now but it was uh, the only the only thing about this series I think that bugged me, and it's it's one of those things from a casting perspective that's just so hard to overcome. You know, you have the different character changes in the movies of Jack Ryan. I mean, there's been, what, five of them now? Uh -huh. Kind of like, it, it, ends, it ends up being like James Bond. But the hardest part for me was, regardless of however good a job that actor did, like, James Greer is James Earl Jones. <laughs> you see that, Nick? <laughs> like, I, I just, there, there's nothing, 
that's good. nobody's going to get cast in that role that is going to overtake that. And that was the only hard part that I had to deal with in terms of that, the, the characterization and the casting. I'm just like, yeah. I have this many the, notes. The, yeah. And one of my three notes was James Greer. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I thought, I don't remember the actor's name, but he did a really good job. I mean, as, as well as could be expected, but those are awfully big shoes to fill. Yeah, I had two issues with I had two issues with the character of Jim Greer in the show. Um, the first one was that he wasn't an admiral. That's true. You know, he was a. CIA I don't even think he was agent. in the navy. I no. think he was like a career CIA guy. Yeah, they they had him as a you know career CIA guy who was chief of station somewhere. Um, you know, so they had him career CIA disgraced, and that's why he was at this post, and so. That bothered me. Um, I also felt like he was shoehorned in as... Um, I mean, they made the character Muslim. Yeah. I actually... I didn't mind that. I thought it was kind of interesting. If you're going to to rework that, to understand... I mean, from a, from a diversity standpoint, I, I didn't have a problem with that. And I thought it actually added a little bit to the story where... You don't feel like that was them trying too hard? No, I don't. I, and it, I, I can see how that it could be perceived that way. It, it actually worked for me. I didn't mind it because I don't think they didn't beat you over the head with it. It was kind of creatively woven into a couple of moments throughout the series in the storyline. And it wasn't over the top to me. I mean, others might feel differently, but I that part of it didn't bother me at all. Okay. What, what bothered me more was the fact that you know, in the books and in the early movies, you had Greer as this benevolent mentor sure. to Ryan's character, and he's—I don't know if I'm—am I allowed? Am I allowed to swear? Sure. Okay. Oh, damn he's ass. kind of there a dick go. in the TV show, <laughs> for lack of a better term. No, he, so, no, he's uh, not kind of a dick. He's a total dick in the TV. Uh, show. Apologies to the listeners for the coarse language, but it, it's the best way we'll I can put describe an e it. on it. It's fine. It's it's very fuck um, damn shit. <laughs> it's it's very out of character for the way that 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 particular person is written, both in the books and in the early movies. Yeah, I mean, it was it it was more while he was still sort of sort of mentor, it was certainly more peer than than benevolent mentor like. Like well, it was it was more about a, a it was more of a. a superior subordinate relationship yeah you know don't don't overstep your bounds don't do anything you're not told to do i'm going to call you into my office and bitch you out up one side and down the other whereas in the you know in the other stories you have much more of a collaborative relationship with the end goal of national security and whatever in mind well and even just greer's line from hunt for october nick that i'm sure you remember when he detonated that torpedo, he's like, you know, you heard the torpedo detonate the hull, and I was never here. Mm-hmm. You know, there was nothing anywhere near that smooth with this iteration of Jim Greer. And I don't know that you'd ever get to that point where it would happen either. Now, it's it's going to be really interesting to see what they do with his character, because that's the one, it's the only character that's a holdover. Because it really, if you think about it, there's only three characters in the show that exist in the books. And that's okay. Greer, Jack, and Kathy. Okay. I don't think there were any others. And I, I went digging in some of the, the like Jack's teammates, 
trying to imagine, oh, is this this character? Is this this character? And then I'd flip on IMDb. It's like, no, <laughs> these are names that I don't know. So this, they're obviously not carrying these people through. Okay, so now there is one other one, though, who I think is present in the books, present in the movies, present in the show, but they can't call him what they want to call him due to some licensing rights issues. Who? I think the... Uh, the the big military guy who they see in the compound when they go to get you think it's you think he's it's Clark Clark yeah I think he's modeled after Clark he might be modeled after Clark but Clark's he's not senior enough to be Clark I don't no. I, well, I, I don't know I, I can see that but and it's it's weird with the licensing because in the when you mention that because in the uh, the Chris Pine version mm-hmm. Kevin Costner's character. I don't remember what they named him, but it's like William something or other. But it's, Defoe? it's, it's yeah. obviously John Clark, yeah. but they call him something completely different. And it, the licensing thing is interesting. I wonder who who owns the rights to that character where they can't yeah. touch him. And I can't remember who it is that owns the rights, but the rights are not available. A- Amazon is not able to use the character's name of John Clark, which in my opinion, is a huge disservice to the series. Not that it's going to be bad. I mean, you can name them whatever you want to name them. But, I mean, for me, I think my favorite Tom Clancy book is probably Rainbow Six. They called and, Kevin Costner's character Thomas Harper. Thomas Harper. That, okay. Boom, Nick. Um, I'm happy to, happy to help. I love Rainbow Six. Um, and I love the character of John Clark. I mean... I, uh, is it without remorse? Is his backstory? Yes. See, um, I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you that. I I was not impressed with Rainbow Six because I thought to me it was just kind of a bloated James Bond type story, especially with the way that that story ended up. And Bill says with rum in his hand, "What's wrong with that?" Well, there's nothing <laughs> wrong with that, but it, from that character's perspective, without remorse was dark. That was a really great. Cause that, I mean, that happens during Vietnam. Yep. And that was a really great story. Rainbow Six, I thought, was just kind of overdone. There were it was fun to read, but I didn't feel like it belonged in the larger canon because it was just too much of a the plot that the bad guys were trying to pull off was just a little bit too super villainy at an amusement park, right? A little bit too super villainy to exist within like a yeah. realistic universe. You know, it's it was fun, um, and I I don't have a problem reading, you know. I don't have a problem reading stuff that's fun every now and then. But I liked I liked Rainbow Six a lot. I thought Without With Remorse was great. Uh, I always loved the character John Clark. Uh, he's still present in the books today. Um, really unfortunate that Amazon can't use that character's name. But I felt like that character who, well, who was in that last scene... Um, I felt like that character was modeled after Clark, for sure. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. I, I think they definitely took some liberties, but that, yeah. that's probably your your core. And actually, I don't know what that guy's name was. That casting was actually done pretty well, because he, he starts out as this really minor character, and then he just keeps appearing yep. throughout, and you, you get to appreciate the character a little bit more in his quirks and, you yes. know, I... I trying to imagine him in the uh you know as, as some role in like zero dark 30 or something like that <laughs> yeah essentially nick you've got this guy who's um like interrogating this terrorist and so you, you know you're kind of led to believe that that's just kind of what he is he's you know special ops maybe or whatever and he just mm-hmm. keeps showing up and showing up and showing up 
Um, which, again, led me to believe, it's like, wait a second, this guy is more than he seems to be. And like, sure. Mm-hmm. At what po- and his name kept changing. So yeah. the name they were referring to, he's like, oh, I'm so-and-so, I'm so-and-so, I'm so-and-so. I'm like, okay, this is, to me, when I was watching, I'm like, this is totally John Clark. And then I'm like, oh, they can't use that name. Oh, well, even more reason why his name's just shifting Changing. around. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. So I thought I thought that the Amazon Prime series was extremely well done. Um, it was it was worth the wait, and I remember because they pushed back the release date like two or three times, and every time I would get stoked about oh it's only a few weeks away, and then the next thing you know it's like oh it was supposed to come out in August, and now it's coming out in December or whatever it I is. Felt, I felt <laughs> like I had been hearing about this thing for years before it came out. Well, I, I don't mind the pushbacks if you get that kind of a quality product out of it. So it was no, worth I mean, it. it was, and, and it was great for season two before the first season even premiered. Well, and that's the thing is I think that with the reaction that it's gotten, I don't think you're going to run into that. I think that Jeff Bezos is not going to have a problem throwing as much money as he needs to at this to get to get it done, get it done quickly. Um, he's He's, despite him being, you know, giant evil capitalist billionaire between shows like uh like the man in the high castle and jack ryan and now Which i still need to watch you, the 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 big reason why jeff bezos gets raised up in my opinion is he rescued the expanse from cancellation on sci-fi and i don't know if you guys watch the expanse <laughs> but i'm about halfway through the bowl oh, no. you need to because it's so good okay <laughs> so good I just I just managed to get my hands on book four of that from the library, which are these are like seven hundred page books, and I'm just tearing through them like crazy. But sci-fi. So, so for you, about thing. four days worth of reading, Jeremy. Yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, Nick, let me tell you, can, can I just let me just I'm just going to interrupt for a second. You, uh, Nick, I always thought that I was a pretty decent reader. You know, mm-hmm. it's like on Goodreads, you know, my goal for the year is to read like 15 books a year. So I'm reading like one every three weeks. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm reading like, you know, four or five, six hundred pages every every two or three weeks. Yeah. And then and then you see Jeremy. Who's who's reading? Who's got like? Oh yeah, I read a thousand page book yesterday, and gonna read a three thousand page over the weekend. And it's just like, holy shit! I thought I was a good reader, Jeremy. Jeremy, you are a prolific reader. Um, well, the the problem now is I I currently have about five different like academic history books going on right now, and I I'm not making a lot of progress because I keep bouncing back and forth between them. But you got to see all that, especially with the Tom Clancy books. Uh, working back in the bank one day is just me yeah. sitting downstairs in the break room tearing through like a 700 page book yep <laughs> at lunch yeah and, uh, in the days before goodreads but no you're absolutely yep. right i mean you know even still i'm you know i sit in my car right now at lunch and read a book i'm reading treasure island right now because i never read it well, there you go so. but have you seen muppet treasure island I have seen Muppet Treasure Island. He's 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 waiting until he reads a book first. Yeah, yeah, yeah I don't want. <laughs> I don't you want don't to ruin wanna, the book. You don't want to ruin. It. You don't want to. You don't want to ruin the ending. It's important. Yeah. Just so you know, stark contrast between Muppet Treasure Island and the book. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. Good rats. Yeah. 
I can I can just imagine that Robert Louis Stevenson had Kermit's voice in his head when he was writing some of those yep. characters. Yep, exactly. He was, Tim Curry. That, that was his his ideal. Yeah, he was like, we can get Tim Curry to be. I'm thinking a pirate dressed in drag. Yes, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> also, there's a pig in it. <laughs> right. But, but yes, I digress. Uh, whenever I think I, I'm like, ooh, I'm doing a good job getting books read. <laughs> like Jeremy read 15 books last week. <laughs> well, I'm on the same book I started this summer, so. But that's good, though. Sure. Because you haven't it's, given up. Yeah, no, no, no. It's a, it's a good book. It's the Die Hard book. book. The book uh, Die Hard uh, um, was based off of, um, I forget what the name of it is. Oh, Not Pete the Cat. No. Well, I know the name of that book too. Uh, Pete the Cat. Wow, that's old school. It was something for uh, nothing's it's, forever. It's nothing's so forever. Good. Yeah. It's but so it's good, good you don't know the title of it. Yes, I haven't even gotten to the part where he's like fighting the Germans. The Germans. Kind of just, yeah, I'm kind of disappointed. So. You have yep. to start working on all of the Tom Clancy books first. I suggest starting with Cardinal and the Kremlin. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's. Um, I'm trying to figure out. No, what I'm sorry. Is. Red Storm Rising. That's the one you start with. Oh, okay. So I actually just reread that again a couple of weeks ago. Red Storm Torch. Rising is an interesting entry because it's the only one of his books that doesn't have anything to do with the Jack Ryan universe. It's yep. completely outside of it. And he actually co-wrote that book with another author named Larry Bond. And it was almost like a 50-50 thing, but Bond's name doesn't really appear anywhere in it except on the acknowledgments page. No, that, is that. Actually, that is actually my favorite Tom Clancy book. Because, really? Yes. Hands down, top to bottom, because that is just a good old-fashioned world, like Cold War-era World War III scenario. Yeah, and it's it is. Just, it, is, it is a pure... Like pure military techno thriller. <laughs> I remember reading it the first time, thinking, "When's Jack Ryan going to show up?" <laughs> and then you get about a you get about two hundred pages later when yeah. he flips it. When he flips it closed, he's like, "Oh well, that was disappointing." Yeah, it's like a thousand page book. I mean, it's like a Stephen King, and so you know, yeah. you, about two hundred pages in, you realize, uh, I don't think Jack Ryan's in this one. Yeah, nope. No, that no, that is a that is a great book, and. For any of the uh, listeners who are interested in Cold War-related military stuff, I would, whether you want to get into the Jack Ryan universe or not, that is just a great book to read. It's it's 700-plus pages in paperback, but it's worth it. It's it's quite good. Yeah. When we're going hunting in two weeks. I'll have to steal some of my dad. My dad's got a bunch of uh, Jack Ryan books because he's really into mm-hmm. Jack Ryan, Tom Clancy, that sort of stuff. I'll have to take some of his books up there. Yeah, snag one or two. Yeah. Yeah. See what you think. I'm thinking two. Eight and a half hours there. Hunting. Eight and a half hours back. You know, there'll be time. <laughs> You'll have a minute or two. I'm just I'm just imagining Nick sitting in the tree stand with the Jack Ryan book open in one hand and the gun in the other. And just like every now and again, you look over and just like, boom. <laughs> Last year, I fell asleep in my blind listening to podcasts. And woke up, and there's a deer staring me in the face. Uh, so not out of the realm of possibility. There you go. <laughs> like, I didn't think that was a real thing, but uh, it happened. It's nice and peaceful. You were relaxed. There's nothing wrong with that. 
Yeah, I was smoking a cigar. I fell asleep. I could have burnt myself alive. It's uh, <laughs> burnt the woods down. Yep. And then yep. the next thing you know, there's a deer in front of him being like, "Is that a Cuban?" Where'd you get that? Fun fun fact: Deer are uh, attracted to smoke. If you're ever hunting, start a campfire, and the deer will always come and see what it is. Very nice. That's a very inane but interesting piece of information. I did not know that. (laughs) Yep, it's uh, it's interesting. I have a lot of interesting stuff about hunting. You just Nick, you're full of just Jeopardy questions right there. Oh yeah, useless trivia. Useless trivia. Yeah, the best yeah. kind. Yep, <laughs> it is exactly. the best kind. Pretty much. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I feel like we could talk about Jack Ryan for hours. Yeah. We probably shouldn't, but we could. Yeah, probably shouldn't, but we could. Well, I mean, there's only about twelve thousand pages worth of source material to go off of, so. <laughs> yeah, and then some at this point. I'm trying to listen. I think there's somebody walking around upstairs in my house. One of the children, Nick, not a stranger. Well, let's hope. Let's hope I'm on the floor the that the strangers would come in. It's You don't know that. I feel like it would be a lot more work. No. Uh, see, that's the problem. So you're not thinking like a criminal. Nope. Because ideally what a criminal would do would be to drive into your neighborhood in a windowless van, mm-hmm. work van, with yep. a with a, with a with a ladder on top, park somewhere inconspicuous, maybe at the end of a cul-de-sac, you know, uh, and then take that ladder off the top, walk to your house, put it up, put it up to one of the windows, slowly climb up, pry <laughs> open the window, and then murder you all in your sleep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a lot of work, though. Amityville horror style. <laughs> Mike Myers. Yeah. It's yeah. exactly like that. It's, ex- it's exactly right. It's mm-hmm. 100%. Yep. That's how it happened. Oh. figure out how we, how we went from Jack Ryan to the Amityville Horror. But... Oh, around here, you never know. Oh, thing, all sorts of I forgot to mention while we were recording the Baby Driver episode, the Mike Myers masks, apparently they tried to get the rights to Michael Myers, and they couldn't get it. So they called Mike Myers and said, hey, can we use your masks? We want to use your likeness. Here's our idea. And he was like, yeah, it sounds great. Go ahead and do it. That, like, what was already a funny part of that movie just became brilliant. If it was a licensing problem. And it that was a was licensing. For it. Yeah, oh, it was a licensing so problem. They could not get the rights to Michael Myers. And so they called Mike uh, Myers and said, hey, look, here's, here's how we're going to do this. Are, are you good if we use your likeness? And he was like, oh, yeah, it sounds awesome. Do it. <laughs> I'm not doing anything lately, so why not get my name out there again? I need a Shrek special. (laughs) Nick, are you banging on your... I accidentally hit hit my reverb spring. Would you knock it off? Man, my battery, I'm just chewing through my battery. Okay, Um, I have a question for both of you before we call it quits tonight. Yes. Uh, Jeremy, Nick and I were talking while you were uh, getting uh, a drink... In between episodes, have you heard anything about this new Venom movie? Oh, the picture just came up. So, I have, I don't know, like, I like Tom Hardy quite a bit. Again, this is all couched under the idea that I pretty much hate everything DC with, like, minor, or not not, not DC, um, anything outside of the MCU, um, 
with minor exceptions. But I've heard that it was one of those movies that was really good in theory that didn't really pan out that way, but is still watchable because it's kind of odd. Yeah, and what the the one comment that I had read um, over the weekend, Monday, I don't remember one of those, was that Tom Hardy was doing a radio interview or a TV interview and said that all of his favorite parts had been cut from the movie. Ooh, that's unfortunate. You want to know the you want to know the comment that I read? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit us with it, Nick. The movie was worse than Catwoman. Oh. <laughs> so worse it's than Catwoman. Important to note. So Venom is is a Sony movie, part of the Spider-Man universe, but not connected to Spider-Man: Homecoming, which yes. is like an offshoot of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes. Just to yeah, get everybody on the right page. I'm I'm interested to see it because from a casting perspective, like Tom Hardy is the guy that you want cast as Eddie Brock, not Topher Grace, who was oh. cast as that character in Spider-Man 3. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yep. So I, I want to give it the benefit of the doubt because I do think that it's better casting, and we'll, we'll go back to Dunkirk. Tom Hardy was in Dunkirk. I thought he did a great job. I like Tom Hardy as an actor. I think he's a good fit for that role, so I hope they don't completely butcher it. That was all rum right there. Sorry. Um, oh. So, um, do you guys know or care if I spoil the there's an after credit scene? I, I couldn't possibly care less from my perspective, so go for That's it. Good. Look, I'm going to watch Venom on DVD, so it's fine. Yep. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, yeah, I don't plan on... Um, Not going to the movies for that one. Yeah, so uh, the after credit scene. So it sucks if this movie is actually as bad as it is, because the after credit scene sets up Venom versus Carnage, because oh, uh, now uh, Woody intrigued. Harrelson... Woody Harrelson plays Cletus Cassidy <gasps> in the after credit scene, and um, no way. Yeah, and to- and Tom Hardy's talking to him in jail, <laughs> and he um, basically like starts to tell him about you know uh, him as a mer- like his time as a serial killer, and uh, yeah, so this movie is essentially setting up Venom versus Carnage, but if it sucks, <laughs> they're going to abandon that. Yeah. Oh my god, got... that is brilliant casting. If Woody Harrelson's going to be Carnage. Mm-hmm. Oh. It's um, it's going to be interesting if they if they follow through with it, because I've always wanted to see a Carnage movie. Um, but I don't know. If this movie sucks, I'm not going to do it. And from what it sounds like, it sounds like this movie is going to be really bad. There's a uh, There's also a thing online where because uh, again, apparently I don't do a lot of work at work. I mostly talk about movies. Uh, uh, so we it's were, just uh, like your last I, job. It's exactly like it, but I didn't get fired. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh. Uh, but uh, apparently, there's a thing online that says if you put googly eyes on the venom on the venom character in the trailer, it really makes the movie better. And somebody oh, showed me a picture no. pictures of it, and it really does. <laughs> Man, yep. I just what I don't understand about 
the way that the Marvel characters licensing has gone, like, why don't, like, all these other companies, whether it's Sony or whoever, just give the rights to these characters back to Marvel Studios because everything that everybody else does sucks. Yeah, but they think that they can capitalize on it being a Marvel. Yeah, not if it sucks. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, they're like, we could do that. We could do that. We don't need to sell. We don't need to just sell the rights and get, uh, you know, a chunk of money or whatever. Like the Fantastic Four. Like the Fantastic Four and put Ugh. on a shit movie. Yeah, all three of them. But, yeah, yeah, and uh, that's pretty bad when, like, when you have to make. When you make the case that the rise of the Silver Surfer is the second best Fantastic Four movie that's been made. <laughs> God, that reboot was so bad. Oh, I didn't even watch it. It was uh, so bad. But I think that they, you know, it's it's like their their ego is like, well, we can do what they can do. We don't need, you know, we we can get longevity out of this and not just you know a short cash grab. And so they want well, to sell it. I mean, the same really stuff that, you know, if you look at it, though, when they did the remake of The Mummy with Tom Cruise, it was the same thing that Universal thought. Like, oh, we're going to make this universal dark universe and make it a whole cinematic monster universe. And that didn't work. And you've got DC with theirs. And that didn't work. The success that Marvel has had has been through deliberate actions over the course of 10 years. Mm-hmm. You can't spin up a cinematic universe in one movie, right? Nope. Well, and that's it's the like, problem is every, everybody's playing catch up with the MCU, mm-hmm. where the MCU is the first one to do this, so they had the luxury of being able to take their time, and now these others don't, and they're rushing things through, and they're getting crap back from it. The only other one that I can think of that's actually taking its time, and I would argue you're getting a, a pretty good result is the um i don't know who owns it but the the monster verse oh yeah godzilla godzilla Long skull oh, island sure. you've got the follow-up and i think those i think those so far have been really good yeah no, i'm excited godzilla, for the next godzilla kong, movie kong skull island was was a very good movie mm-hmm. i was a huge fan of the godzilla movie i i do agree yeah. with the fact that they kind of made godzilla take second fiddle to the other monsters in his own movie but I, I still thought it was really good. Yeah, but I think no. they needed to do that. Like, I mean, I think you know who Godzilla is. Like, you have to... I mean, you have to build up these other monsters and make them kind of larger than life and, mm-hmm. you know. Well, they're they're doing... I know there's at least two more on the books for that. So you've got the one that's mm-hmm. coming out that's like... It's the one that's got Godzilla and Rodan and Mothra and mm-hmm. um, King Gojira. Uh, in, that's going to be good. The one that I'm struggling with is they're going to try to... They're eventually building up to try and do a Godzilla versus Kong movie, and I'm yep. sorry. Mm-hmm. Godzilla versus King Kong, that's a pretty one-sided fight. Godzilla wins in about 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought the I, same I thing on Alien versus Predator, too, and that didn't go the way I thought it would. So, yeah. <laughs> You know what? It, okay, if, if we're going to keep doing the stream of consciousness connections thing here... <laughs> the, the Alien Have you never Predator, listened? <laughs> the Alien versus Predator... The first one. Yeah. I actually enjoyed that movie quite a bit. And if I, for I no did other too reason, until the end when the Predator cheated and won. Yeah. But for no other reason that I really enjoyed the cinematography of that. Like, I, I like anything that, that does the whole 
you know, Arctic, like the snow when it's dark out. It's mm-hmm. the same reason that I really liked the um, the second standalone X-Files movie. Which oh, yeah. I never saw. It, because it, I, I just love the way that Chris Carter dealt with the cinematography. It's, Fargo is the same way. Anything where you get the snow and the dark, it's that contrast. And I thought they did a really good job with that in the first Alien vs. Predator movie. The second one was a steaming piece of garbage, but the first one I thought was actually pretty decent. I think you've done that. Yeah? Yeah. My two cents on that. I like it. I like it. Now let's watch Quasi the Alien vs. Predator, whatever you want to call it. I don't want to watch Alien vs. Predator. Well, what are we going to watch now? <laughs> have, you seen the, uh, ha- have you seen the trailer for the new Predator movie? Uh, I heard it's I heard it's not great, not bad. You guys are gonna have to talk amongst yourselves. I'm gonna go need to go get my my computer cord to plug my computer in because it's gonna <laughs> shut down in one more percent. So just Ooh. keep this up. I'll be right back. All right. Yeah, I heard it's I heard it's not bad, but it's not good. It's kind of surprising because of who they got to direct it. I mean, Shane Black's directing it, and he was actually in the first Predator movie. Yeah. And I, I want it to be good just because of that. <laughs> well, I heard that people are upset about... What did I hear that they were upset about? Because the, that the plot of it was... That the plot of it is different. Um, the plot is essentially... I mean, I don't think this gives anything away. Um, so, you know, the plot of the first Predator movie was they found... You know, the Predator found a group of worthy people that he thought, you know... Um, you know, could, could he? You know, he could have you know uh, a battle with essentially. You know, um, uh, and, you know, they he found some worthy adversaries. This one apparently is they they found an, a kid who's autistic, and they think that um, uh, they're, they're trying to kidnap him because it's like the next step in um, in human evolution. Um, and so people don't like that they like strayed from the original plot like that it was just you know that it was weird um it was weird like that like it wasn't so much the like you know where these you know the predators this great warrior and um you know and 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 that they turned it into something like that um where they're trying to like find the next step in evolution or whatever um it's uh but that's, I mean, other than that, I heard people didn't like it because of the comedy aspect of it or whatever, so I don't What's know. That? I'm sorry, I just got back. Uh, you guys have no idea how close you came to disaster just now. <laughs> I was saying <laughs> I was saying that people didn't like, uh, I was hearing people didn't like the movie um, because uh, the, movie? the new Predator movie, the okay. new Predator movie, uh, because they'd, uh, they didn't like, you know, the original Predator was was, you know, this great warrior who thought he found, like, a group of people who he could, you know, um, have a, a good, you know, battle with, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, that's essentially the plot. Uh, the new the new one is um, that they're, they're trying to... Um, I don't think it really gives anything away, but they're trying to kidnap this kid who's autistic because um, they think it's the next step in human evolution. And mm-hmm. so people don't like that they've... Um, people don't like that they strayed away from the original... Um, yeah, the original plot line of the Predator, where it's like, I'm a great warrior, and here's this sure. group of, you know, badass army guys that, you know, but, and they didn't like how 
you know the comedy aspect of it which is kind of getting inserted into everything now well it's it's not a real predator movie if somebody ain't got time to bleed so (laughs) (laughs) and because he doesn't have time to bleed he then gets elected to the governorship of minnesota (laughs) you know (laughs) it's kind of funny there are two governors out of that movie yeah that's true but you know that's yeah Man, I want to watch the original Predator. Predator. I need to go back and rewatch Predator. It's been a long time. That's that's just a great, pure action movie. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Man, that's a good movie. It's been a long time. I can't remember the last time I watched it. I don't know, but I'd still like to go back to my point that Alien was robbed. (laughs) In Alien vs. Predator. You know that the Predators are actually the ones throughout that entire merged cinematic universe that are the ones that you could kind of sort of root for. The aliens are just not. They're horrible, awful, like, planet civilization-eating monsters. And far there's more nothing, There's nothing redeeming about the xenomorphs at all. Except they're You know that, awesome. right? I mean, it's like rooting for a xenomorph. It's like rooting for a shark. <laughs> Remind me, remind me never to watch Jaws with Bill. I'm disappointed when we get to the end. Oh, they killed Bruce. Oh. <laughs> no, I mean I've gone on record. I think I've even gone on record on this very podcast um, that uh, I'd have to find it in my notes here. But I think the scariest, my scariest movie of all time, is Aliens. I'd be willing to bet that whoa, that's on one of whoa, our Halloween. Hold on. Hold on. Say that again. I want to make sure I'm getting that right. Okay, so Nick and I... Is that, is that the singular or plural? The, the second. Aliens. Really? Yes. That's... And you're, you're counting that as the scariest? I, so we looked at... Ah, oh crap, Nick. When was that? I remember what year? Uh, <laughs> it was probably... It was probably in our first year of doing this. It was. Hold on. I've got my... Believe it or not, I actually take some fairly decent notes about what we do in our podcast. Uh, so we started in July, so three months after... Yeah, this is... Episode 15 was the downtown pushdowns. I got you. Uh, we talked about aliens then, but we've ranked our scary movies later. Hold on, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep talking, uh, Jeremy. I'm assuming that you don't I'm, agree with me. No, see, I'm, I'm more compelled by the fact that you, you are actually putting the sequel as a scare because that is going from Alien to Aliens. That is actually a genre busting move from initial movie to sequel because Alien is a horror movie. Aliens mm-hmm. is an action movie. Yeah, and I can see that. I think um, I think part of the reason why it has to do with... I, I saw Aliens first. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so I think that um, that certainly has something to do with it. Um, and I, I remember watching... I, I think either one of them, I mean, in all honesty, are far scarier than almost anything that's out there it's because well as we discovered in my notes um oh wait no maybe this is my list right here because i had i had 
Uh, Poltergeist number one. I had. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Here's your list too, Nick. Okay, so I had two aliens because because it's what you see and what you don't see was my right exactly that in the notes. That's the difference between the first two movies in the Alien franchise. True. Mm-hmm. But even in the second one, there's still a lot you don't see. And True. I guess that's my yeah. point. What was my scariest one? Uh, Behind the Mask, The Rise oh, of Leslie Vernon. Oh, The Rise Vernon. of Leslie Vernon. That was yeah. a great movie. Oh, man, it's fantastic. You ever seen that? I have not. No, it's fantastic. It's about a guy. It's it, Basically, I, what I like so much about it is, so it's, it's about a film crew, a documentary film crew, who follows this guy around who is basically becoming like the next Michael Myers. And it takes place in a universe where Michael Myers, Chucky, Freddy, all those guys are real. Like, that's all really happening. And so this guy has this documentary film crew following him around for, like, uh, seeing how he basically, like, mentally messes with his next victim, you know, follows her to work and does the thing where he, he's, like, she sees him, but then she looks away, and then she looks back, and then he's gone, and and all this stuff. But then halfway through the movie it turns from a documentary into an actual movie of them trying to stop him from murdering this girl. And it's oh, so God, so good. That's a pretty interesting. Oh, it's concept. like, yes, it's fantastic. Like, Oh, it's so good. So <laughs> good. And it's got like, we need to, we, I think we need to watch that. We need to figure out a way to watch that. Cause that was, that was a great movie. Like, just the concept of it was so great. Because it's like he makes up this whole backstory for himself. He buys this old house. And he he creates this story of, like, how the people who own the house had a kid. And the kid fell in the water and drowned. And he's that kid. And he's come back for revenge. Oh, it's so great. He essentially turns himself into a horror character. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I mean, and that's what it is. It's like, he's like, he like... Like it shows like the behind the scenes of like how you always wonder like how did how like how did Michael Myers get shot three times in the chest, fall off a balcony, land on the ground, and then he was okay, mm-hmm. or like you know, it, so it's like it shows him like under like he, at one point I think he gets buried alive, and like he but he's like trained himself to be buried alive and like slow his breathing and stuff like it's crazy, <laughs> douses himself in like flame retardant stuff. So, like, when he gets, like, if he gets caught on fire, like, it doesn't bother him. Oh, it's so freaking good. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine this, like, you know, Michael Myers, this the mindless, remorseless killing machine, actually, like, before he enters this, before uh-huh. he enters the scene that he's, you know, going through his strategy document of everything he needs to do, I'm going to, you know, Exa- make right. Exactly. That's why it's so crazy. Like, returning like... chemicals? Check. Got it. Exercise? <laughs> Check. Check. Like, oh, it's so good. Well, could you imagine, like, Freddy Krueger? Okay, well, Sally's about ready to fall asleep, so we're getting ready to get started here. Yeah, and that's exactly what it is. It's like, like at one point, they're all, he, like, he's driving the documentary film crew in a van, and they're like, where are we going? He's like, oh, we're going to go mess with her at her job. And it's like, <laughs> they're off camera, and, like, she's she's taking the trash out, and he, like, has a brick, like a string tied to a brick. And she uses it to prop open the door, and he, like, yanks the brick away, and the door slams shut, and he freaks Jeez. out, and, like, oh, it's so, it's so cool, man. It's, 
Oh, it's like my favorite. It's my favorite favorite movie. I found it like five years ago, and I'm obsessed with it. Wow. Yeah. Oh, it's good. And if you're interested in hearing the rest of our scary movies, listen to episode 15 of the Pillow Talk podcast, The Downtown Pushdowns. The Downtown Pushdowns. God, we had some great names. <laughs> I'm just, I, I'm really intrigued as to the evolution of this particular episode where we started out with the <laughs> Jack Ryan literary and movie analysis, and we somehow went into the Spider Man movies, and now we're sitting in horror movie land. <laughs> It's um, to the podcast. Yeah, I'm we. Really I'm actually really, really compelled to read the episode description that Bill's going to put together before this gets posted. Oh yeah. Because <laughs> this, this one, my friend, is going to take some work. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna. Um, hmm. <laughs> it's funny. I joke before my computer crashed. Um, I was in the middle of making. A uh, an off the rails sounder. <laughs> for, we still need to do that. I know I need to for when the podcast had officially gone off the rails that we could play. Oh, oh, oh I'm pretty sure we're we're, we're there. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. The, it would be it would be used especially for situations like this where we could interrupt the podcast, play the off the rails sounder, and try to get back on track, or just go meh, meh, yeah. Keep going. Yep. Um, but my computer crashed, and I was never able to make that. I still need to get the... <laughs> I know exactly what my daughter needs to say to make that sounder happen. So <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> it's going to go like this. <laughs> it's going to start with, all aboard the Pillow Talk Express. And then there's going to be the sound <laughs> of a train derailing. And it's going to go, this podcast has officially gone off the rails. <laughs> nice. Uh-huh. I just need to do that fitting. in all my free time. Yeah, which I have now that the Cubs have lost. Well, I mean, you, you know, I, I I didn't want to bring that up. I'm not sure what kind of mental condition you're in after last night. So <laughs> I haven't slept really, because <laughs> you know it was 1:15 when the game ended here. Yeah, 13 innings. Yeah, right. 13 innings. Uh. Yeah, I mean, essentially, I have I have two main issues with the game, Jeremy, and I don't have a problem going into it here, because we've already strayed way off topic, so we may as well just keep going. Yep. And I'm plugged in now, so I don't have to look at the battery anymore. Um, it's two two uh, two giant gaffes from uh, from Joe Madden last night. The uh, the first one, in my humble opinion, as sports fan, not sports manager. Is I think it was the bottom of the eighth when he pinch hit Jason Hayward. He needed to have pinch hit Kyle Schwarber. Uh, and the reason for that is that. later in the game he pinch hit Kyle Schwarber, and Schwarber's got one at bat. And then I proceeded to have to watch Jason Hayward ground out to second base three times. Um, had. Had he pinch hit Schwarber in that spot instead, Schwarber would have had three at-bats in that game and at any one point could have ended it. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's one. Number two was bottom... Oh, crap. Was it bottom 11? Bottom 12? 
No, it must have been bottom 12 or bottom 11 when he pinch hit for Hamels. Um, and, you know, Victor Caratini uh, ended up just grounding out because why not? <laughs> so you're at the point of a baseball game. It's a, it's a single elimination game. Uh, John Lester has poured his heart into the game. You're now asking, you've gone through your relievers, you know, Stropey's come on and done his thing, even though he took a, an injury that should have lasted six weeks and got back in two, but, you know, whatever. Um, you've now gone to your bullpen, which is now your starting pitchers, and said, look, I need you to, to take this game and win it for us. You don't pull that guy out in two innings. And I understand that they went from Hamels to Hendricks. Well, with Justin Wilson in the middle, but whatever. Essentially, you went from Hamels to Kyle Hendricks. Cole Hamels is, he is nails. I mean, he is, he is as tough as they come. And Cole Hamels understands at 35, you know, my manager is asking me for this. I'm going to go until my arm falls off and let's, let's go skip. Mm-hmm. I don't think Kyle Hendricks has that same, and I don't get me wrong, I like Kyle Hendricks a lot, but the mentality that Cole Hamels came into that game was different from the mentality that Kyle Hendricks came into that game with. Um, and I think that if Cole Hamels is still pitching in the top of the 13th, I don't think he gives up the run. But I don't know, what do you think? I don't know. I give Hendricks a little bit more credit than that because Hendricks is the guy who came out and was tough as nails in Game 7 in the World Series and got you where you wanted to go. So, for, But only for four or five innings. Five innings still, but in the biggest game of his career. So I have a hard time. I don't know. It To me, of course I'm disappointed that they got knocked out, but I also sure. was having this conversation with a number of people at work today. To me, the end result of the wild card game is largely irrelevant because somebody from the National League is going to run squarely into the Boston Red Sox buzzsaw and they're going to get <laughs> yeah. carved apart. So it ain't going to happen this year for the NL anyway. I'll I'll eat that comment if something strange happens, but Boston is just way too good this year and they are not going to be beat. Yeah. No, and and that's a good point too. You know, um, I was talking with with one of my coworkers, and he, you know, I made sure I wore my black shirt today, and he said, "Oh, I see you're in mourning," and I said, "Yeah," I said, but at the same time, you know, it it wasn't going to happen for this Cubs team this year. There were so many issues in the second half with the offense not being able to score runs. There were so many issues with the bullpen just not being able to get guys out. I mean, you know, at, it, we get to the point where. I think the only guy in the bullpen that there's two guys in the bullpen that that Madden trusts today, and that's Jesse Chavez and and Pedro Strope. And I don't think there's anybody else he trusts, um, because you know C.J. Edwards has been has been flighty and he's out with a forearm injury right now. De La Rosa he doesn't trust. Um, he certainly doesn't trust Justin Wilson. Uh, Brandon Kinsler just like fell off a boat. I don't know what's going on with him. Uh, Tyler Chatwood's not the guy. I mean, I, I don't think there's anybody we trust. And so, you know, let's say, for instance, that the Cubs somehow managed to win the wild card game by scoring a run. I don't know where you score it, but let's say you score a run. Are they really going to be able to beat Milwaukee at this point? I don't I don't see it. When Milwaukee can throw Josh Hader and some of their other relievers, I just... 
I, I well, don't see the about, Cubs. It's about momentum too, because Milwaukee's coming out of an eight-game winning streak to close the yep. season out. I mean, you just not—it it was not going to happen this year. And, and, and game no one sixty-three. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no shame in being able to look back and say, okay, over the past four years, the Cubs made the playoffs all four years. That includes three tri- three trips to the NLCS and a World Series yep. championship, and the window's not closed yet. So True. nobody, like everybody, needs to get off the ledge. You know, it's fine. The window's still wide open. There's some work to do, especially in the bullpen. But this team's going to be really good for quite some time. So Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, the, the beauty of the offseason is that I don't know what is going on with Chris Bryant, but he is obviously hurt. Um, his shoulder, that left shoulder that, that, that has caused him time off is in obvious need of either rest or surgery there is something going on there um, well and, and that's another reason to look at the bright side i mean when you think about what they're going to have to face in the al even if they made it that far yeah an early uh, like if you're if you are reasonably sure given the competition that you're not going to be a contender for a world series championship anyway and i would argue that anybody outside of boston is not going to be this year yep. then get out early so that you can get your guys healthy and get them rehabbed yeah, you know, and, and, and you come back at it next year with, you know, hopefully with Wilson Contreras with a new mindset. And, you know, they were relying on guys like Contreras and Schwarber now more to take steps forward this year. And, and largely they didn't. You know, I think everybody kind of expected Ian Happ to do good things this year, and he, he didn't. Um, you've got Addison Russell now, the proud winner of a 40-game suspension. Um I'm pretty sure that it's likely you've seen him in a Cubs yeah. uniform for the last time. So yeah, he's not gonna. You're not gonna see him back back in pinstripes. That's for sure. Um, but you know this this team is it it, it it wasn't gonna go deep into the National League playoffs. I, I didn't think we were gonna get past Milwaukee. Um, I certainly don't think we'll get past Atlanta or LA again. So it's like you know, at this point. You may as well just get it over with early. Um, And you know what? Renegotiate a contract with Hamels. Sign him for, you know, don't pick up his $20 million option for next year, but sign him to a two-year deal. Hope that Darvish is healthy next year, and then you're going to roll out. You know, at that point, you've got Lester, Quintana, Hamels, Darvish, and Hendricks. I'll take that five. Yeah, you just got to build up your bullpen because the bullpen still is not to be. Yeah, and that allows you to put Montgomery back in the bullpen. But even still, you know, I guess Jesse Chavez says last night that if he wasn't wearing a Cubs uniform, he was retiring next year um, because he just loved his experience so much. And you know, you've got Stropy, and you got to do you got you've got to be better with Morrow next year. And I don't know, it's the window. You're right, the window's not closed. Um, it's disappointing. You know, oh, sure. If you think about it, we've watched the last three seasons. We've watched Cub playoff baseball deep into October, and oh, yeah. it's you know it's October third, and there's no there are no Cubs games on till till April. Yeah, which well, is disappointing. Too. But is what you get spoiled being yeah. used to watching it for that long, and it's fine. I mean, like I said, the window's not closed. You're not going to win them all. I mean, if you if you come out of this run with only one World Series championship. It's, it's one to be. It's nothing to be embarrassed about, right? It's one World Series championship. There, that's not a problem. It's been, so. a, been, it had been a while since they'd won one of those. Now, now, so what do you think they do? 
Um, I know other people today because you know I consoled myself with uh, with <laughs> podcasts from the score all day. Um, who do you sign? Because you know everybody's like, oh, you know uh, Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper. But you sign Bryce Harper, you got to trade guys. Yeah. As much as I like the idea of Harper, I just don't know that he's worth the money he's going to command, considering who we have already as position players. Mm-hmm. It's just, I mean, you need to shell, if you're going to shell out money, you need to shell out all your money into the bullpen. As long as your starting pitching is healthy based on your current roster, you're fine there. You're fine largely in the position players, but your bullpen just stinks, and you got to build well, it back up. But what are you going to do? I mean, you've got, a, you've got a team that had 40 games where they scored one run or less. You've got to do something with your offense. Right. Yeah. yeah See, but and is this that is something. Is that something that what three hundred million dollars or whatever it is that right. Bryce Harper is going to command? Or do you spend two hundred and fifty million on Manny Machado? Because if him, you can at least slide in at shortstop, which yeah, you're going to have vacated because like Addy's gone. Just, if you're splitting hairs like that, though, then just pony up the extra money and get Harper. <laughs> but I guess my my concern with Harper though is is that if you sign Bryce Harper. Then you're trading Schwarber or Almora or both. Well, you're you're trading Schwarber, Almora, or Hap, and pick two of those. Because if I'm you're okay going to put Harper, I'm, you're put I'm Harper okay in your with almost any amalgamation of that deal. <laughs> because you've got, you know, you figure Hayward's not going anywhere because he's not going to get. He can opt out this year, but <laughs> he's not going to. And then you've got Bryce Harper, and then. Some combination of Schwarber, Almora, Hap, Zobrist, Bryant. It's a full outfield. I mean, about it. If you get if you get Harper and it costs you Schwarber and Hap, then your starting outfield is Jason Hayward, Almora, and Bryce Harper. True, and you would assume that Schwarber and Hap would bring you some sort of a uh, Jake Degrom type pitcher. Right. In which point you don't need to bring Hamels back. Yeah, I'd still bring Hamels back on a two-year anyway. But I, I that's think just it's me. a no-brainer to me. But see, we're on the same page here. Yep. Depressed because our team's not in the playoffs anymore. Uh, it's, it's okay. I'm used to it. My team's not the It's all the Detroit playoffs. Tigers' fault because they couldn't beat the uh, Brewers in that last game. <laughs> it was funny. There's a uh, <laughs> there's. <laughs> There's a priest here in Grand Blank that uh, is a big Tigers fan, and I was hassling him on Twitter. And I was like, I needed your ti- your Tigers to win one game. That's all I needed. Three week three because you know there were there were two winnable games that the Tigers had last weekend, and had they won one of them, we wouldn't even be having this discussion right now. That is true. But alas, but, nope. Tigers don't win winnable games. <laughs> Sorry, Nick. No. And your announcers get in fights. Yep. Yep. It's Mario a, and Rod got into like fisticuffs. Apparently, we're a real shit show. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but it could be worse. You could be the Cleveland Browns. This is also true. Who at least won? Yeah. And unlocked yeah. free beer. Yep. 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 They unlocked the free beer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right gentlemen i think we should let our people go boy there's so much for the uh short episode this one's uh this one was epic <laughs> that happens, that happens time to time. a lot too yeah, yeah. Yep. 
We have the best <laughs> we <can>. intentions. <laughs> we do. <laughs> we do have the best intentions. Uh, yeah. So, all right. So, say goodbye to the people, and then, Jeremy, we will say goodbye to you after the people go. All right. Goodbye to the people. Goodbye, people. Bye, people. But what of the things that we've shared? What of all the the sweet words that you spoke in private? Uh, Well, well, that's just what we call pillow talk, baby. Thank you for listening to the Pillow Talk Podcast. The theme song.